Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 58th chapter. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interest on my holy day, If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interest, pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. The kids can go ahead and come forward if they would like. You guys can find a seat right up here in the front next to Tully or on the floor in front of her. And we will talk a little bit more about the Nicene Creed. You guys come on forward if you want to. All right. How are you guys doing? Yeah? Are you ready for another week of school? No. Not really? Not so much? You're, you guys are ready. The older kids, are, they, they want to sleep some more. Yeah, they're, they're worn out. What's up, Duncan? You're ready? All right, awesome. All right, so we are talking about the Nicene Creed, and that word creed means I believe, and we've been talking every single week about what believe means. Believe means I trust. You guys say it with me. I trust. That's what I believe means. I trust. 
Last week, we talked about the creed was kind of like something in our yard. Do you guys remember what we talked about? The creed is like a what? Who remembers what it's like? Mo, do you remember? It's like a fence. That's right. The creed is like a fence. It helps us to see what is part of Jesus' church and what part of our lives is not part of Jesus' church. It helps us to see what the boundaries are around the world around us. Okay? So last week we said the church is, we believe that the church is one, that it is holy, that it is Catholic, and that it is apostolic. And each week we're going to be talking about those words. Now last week we said the church is Who knows? One. The church is one. We believe in one church. Now, does that mean that we all go to the same church? No. No. What does it mean? It means that we worship one God. That's right. We worship one God. And because we belong to God, it also means that we belong to each other. Right? That's what it means when we say that we believe in one church. But the next thing that we say is that the church is holy. What does that word mean? Who's got a guess? What does it mean when we say the word holy? Ian, do you have a guess what holy means? Um, it means be kind. That's close. Anybody else have a guess? Nice. Uh-huh. Um, that Jesus and God are present with us. That they're present with us, right? That we're in God's presence. That's good. All right. Holy means something that is special. It means something that is different. And you know what makes something holy, special, and different? Because it belongs to God. So the things that belong to God are holy. That word holy means special and different because it belongs to God. So when we say that we believe that the church is holy, what are we saying about the church? What do you guys think? When we say holy means that it belongs to God, and we say the church is holy, what are we saying about the church? Who does the church belong to? Does it belong to me? Is this Father Lee's church? No. No, it's not Father Lee's church. Is this, say, does this church belong to St. Aidan? No, it doesn't belong to St. Aidan. It does. Who does this church belong to? Moira? It belongs to God. That's right. This is God's church. It belongs to him. And so this church is holy. But here's something that's really neat about that. When we say that the church is holy, we're saying that the church belongs to God. Are you a part of God's church? Yeah. Huh? Then what does that mean? It means that you are holy. That's right. The things that we touch, God is touching. The things that we say, God is saying. The things that we do, God is doing. We are holy because we belong to God's church. And the church is holy because it belongs to God. You and I belong to God. But you know what else that means? That means that it's our job for you guys and for me to make each other holy. Do you think about that when you came to church today? No, we don't usually think about that, do we? But that's our job. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do. That's what Jesus is telling us. Our job is to help each other to be holy. How do we do that? What would be a way that you could help somebody else to be holy? Ian, what's the answer you always give? Be 
There you go. Be helpful and share with others, right? Being kind, that's one way that we can show Jesus and we can reveal God's love and we can show people who God is and what he's like. Who else has got to guess? What's another way that we can help each other to be holy? Tully, you have a guess? Pray over we could pray for people. That's so important that we pray for people. Not just that we pray. It's, it's always important that we pray, but it's important that we pray for each other by name. Do you guys pray for each other by yeah. name? Sometimes? Yeah? That's so important for us. When, people's, when people come into our mind, we can just say, God, I hope that you bless Emma today. God, I hope that you bless Matthew today. When somebody comes into our mind, we can just say their name and we can say, Jesus, I want you to, to bless them. I want you to make them holy. That's a way that we become more like Jesus, right? What do we have on the walls all around us? What are these special pictures called? Who remembers the name for the special pictures? Pictures. Hmm? pictures. They are pictures, but there's a, they're a special kind of picture. Does anybody remember what kind of picture they are? What are they called? God. They're called icons. Oh, yeah. Icons. And do you know what the job is for an icon? It's to reflect Jesus. And you know what? You are icons just like those pictures are. You guys reflect Jesus. How do you reflect Jesus? Being kind, praying for each other, saying true things, being respectful. All of those are ways that we reflect Jesus around us. So that's what I want you guys to think about. Ian, eyes up here. That's what I want you guys to think about this week. What can I do to reflect Jesus right now? So as you are practicing the Ten Commandments that we're going to do next week, I want you to think about that. What does it look like for me to reflect Jesus? How can I be an icon of Jesus? That's right. All right, let's say our prayer. You ready? Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. All right, you guys can go back to your seats. So I recently rewatched the movie The Godfather. Jessica makes fun of me because I like that movie a lot. So usually every five or six years I rewatch that movie because it's one of my favorites. And every time I watch it, I am just impressed by what a fantastic film it is, right? If you haven't seen this, uh, it, it's the story of a, of a crime family and their sort of their rise to power and then why they fell apart because of, uh, you know, the... Uh, because that's what wickedness does in our lives. They, they, they come apart. Um, and that's what the, the story sort of follows that and, and what that looks like. But there is such a, a fantastic glimpse into a world that we generally don't understand. Because it's very, the, the, the entire culture of, of that world is so drastically different from the one that we live in. That it takes a minute to sort of wrap our heads around uh, uh, around this. And, and the, the, the scene that I was thinking of as I was reflecting this week was the opening scene, okay? So the, the opening scene to that movie, if you haven't seen it in a long time, is at a wedding. The, the, the mob boss's daughter is getting married. And instead of being out with everybody, the, the, the main character is back in a back room and people are coming to him, people who are um, related to him, 
but more than that, people who are friends of his, and they're coming to him to ask for favors. And they're all kinds of different favors. Some are looking for justice, and some are looking for friendship, and some are looking for help with business. But on this special day, they're allowed to come to him and ask for favors, and he has an obligation to grant those favors to him. Now the question that immediately leaps into your mind is, okay, Lee, but we're, we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, so... What exactly does that have to do with Sicilian crime families? I'm getting there. Just pause for a second, all right? We've, we've got to build up to it. So when I was growing up, we had a, a, we, we had a Sunday school program, and then we had a, a midweek program that was called Awanas. And, and in Awanas, you did lots of scripture memorization, and you had lots of uh, craft projects, and you had things that you had to accomplish and things you had to do, and there was physical elements and, and, and spiritual and moral elements. It was a really good little program. It was sort of modeled on the, the, the what do they call them, the royal ambassadors and the, the you know, they, they sort of follow the same model that the scouts use, but they, they do it with a specific Christian flavor. But in that program, they only always use the King James Version of the Bible. So all of my scripture memorization as a young child was from the King James Bible. And the King James Bible is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But oftentimes when you're reading it, it is very much like reading a foreign language. You have to get into a very specific headspace when you read the King James Bible. And you have to, you have to assume, I don't necessarily know what all of these words mean. And so I need to pause for a moment as I'm reading through this text and say, okay, well... He's using that word, and it's different than the way that I use that word. So I need to make sure that I understand what's happening and, and what is being talked about right here. And, and that comes sort of glaring to the fore when you drive around in Kentucky and you see lots and lots of church signs that only use the King James Bible. And this, the, the verse that I see over and over and over again comes from Acts chapter 16. And it says this. Are you ready? It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and ye shall be saved. Have you heard that verse before? That's only part of the verse, by the way. And the other part of the verse, you have to go home and look it up, because that's, that's a whole different sermon topic. But that's only half of the verse, and it's, it doesn't say what they think it says. But anyway... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And when I was growing up, that phrase, believe on or believe in, I'm not, you know, picking at that word. That's just, that's just part of the, the, an older way of using English. But this idea of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved always meant if you say these words, if you believe these words that you're saying, then you are a Christian. Then you will be saved. Then you become Saved. That's always what it meant. And so for me, I always thought that being a Christian was about saying the right words. As long as you say the right words, that means that you're a Christian. I can, I, I've got a you know, certificate that, that, that I got that said, on this date, I said the right words, and now I'm in, and I've got a certificate, and I can prove it. Uh, you know, it's written in the front of one of my Bibles that I was given at my baptism when I was eight years old. Right? If you believe these things, then you belong to that group. But here's the trouble with that, okay? When Luke wrote those words, when Paul wrote to us to say that the fruit of the Spirit is faith, it does not mean in his world, in the world of the New Testament, 
simply being convicted of something to be true. It's not about conviction. It's not about saying the right words. That's not what that word means in his world. Because his world looks more like that opening scene from The Godfather. In that world, you, didn't, you, you had very little money that changed hands ever. And so all of the, the economy ran on bartering. You can bring something and I will give you something of equal value. And that includes labor. I will give you work and you give me back something of equal value. And in that world, you had somebody who had a lot of resources, who was very powerful in a local community, was referred to as a patron. And he would give gifts to the people that were a part of his household. Now, that didn't just mean his family, and it didn't even just mean the people that worked in his house, but it meant all of the neighbors around him who were connected to him. He had an interest in this business. He had an interest in this particular farm. He would give gifts to those people when they needed it, when they asked for it. And the word that they used in that world is the word grace. The gift, the unmerited gift of favor that comes from a powerful person is called grace. And the person who receives that gift has an obligation to be faithful and to be loyal and to do what they are able to do in order to serve the person, to assist the person who is giving grace. And that word that is used in in Paul and Jesus' world is the same word that we find when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is faith, faithfulness. The gift that comes from a patron is grace. And the response of the person receiving a gift is faith. It's not about them saying the right words. It's about them belonging to the right kind of relationship. See, immediately we sort of get it into our heads that it's, you know, the the, the calculator comes out. In our world, right, everything is about cost and it's about value. And we start saying, okay, well, he gave me, you know, a a loan to help out with this business. So I have to give him back something equal or, or greater in value. And we start calculating things up. But that's not how it worked in that world. It was about relationship. It was about belonging to someone's household. It was about speaking well of the person whose household you belong to. It was about reflecting what those people were like. It was about giving grace and honor and loyalty and service. All of those things are connected to this word that Paul uses when he says that when the Spirit arrives in our lives, when God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits that the Spirit produces in our lives is faithfulness. It's faith. It's something that happens in our lives because of the grace that God has given us. God gives us grace and faith begins to grow inside of us. But it's not just saying the right words. It is absolutely important that we believe the correct things about who God is. That's why we say the creed every single time that we worship together. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about learning the right words and the right ideas about who God is. It's about being able to say those right words and those right ideas. And then alongside them to say, I trust in God, the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. I trust in those things. 
Because that's who I am. Because that's who God is transforming me into. And that's been the story from the very beginning. When God gives us creation for it to be a place where we would meet him and learn to love him and serve him. And we rejected that. God comes again and again and again like a faithful patron who continues to give us those gifts. He calls them into his family and we said no. And then he calls them into a new kind of covenant. And they say no over and over again. They say, no, I don't want to be a part of your household. I want to belong to this other household over here. They have cooler gods than you. I want to go belong to this household because I I like the things that I get from them. Over and over and over again. Until finally, in the person of Jesus Christ, God steps into our story. To speak to us face to face. And to lead us back in faith to the Father. To lead us through death into a new kind of life. To lead us through our baptism into a new kind of family. A new way of belonging. A new home. A place where the Father doesn't simply call us His friends. He doesn't call us His clients. He doesn't... Talk to us the way that a a rich person in Paul's world would. Instead, he looks at every single one of us and calls us his son. He says, you belong to me. And everything that I have belongs to you. That's the way that God relates to us. No patron in Paul's world related to his clients that way. But Paul says... Look at the way that God loves. He brings us into his household and he doesn't just bring us into his household to be servants. He doesn't just make us his slaves. He doesn't bring us in and say that we're just going to you know, do our business and support him. He brings us into his household and he says to you and to me, you belong to me. You are my beloved child. Those are the words that God speaks to us. Faith. is about hearing God and responding. Grace is God reaching out His hand to us, and faith is you and I taking His hand and letting God draw us up into His life, into His love, into His household. That's what faith is. When Paul says that these are the things that the Holy Spirit causes to grow in you, that's what he's saying. He's saying you are being transformed into people who belong in the household of God. You're being transformed into people who reflect God's nature, who reflect God's presence, who reflect God's image in the midst of God's creation to the other people that God is calling into his family. That's what faithfulness looks like. It doesn't look like just saying the right words and believing the right things. It looks like you and I belonging to the Father. It looks like you and I looking at the Father and saying, this is where I belong. You are my heart. You are my home. You are my life. It's about trusting God. Trusting that God is good. And that He does the things that He promises. Trusting that Jesus told the truth when he said, if you want to come to the Father, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It means trusting that the Holy Spirit really is revealing God's will to us right here this morning. 
It means coming to his table. Receiving the grace that God is continually, always, everywhere, pouring out for his children. Because he says to you, you are my beloved child and I delight in you. God looks at you and he doesn't see somebody who's begging at his doorstep. He doesn't see somebody who is a competing business interest. He doesn't see somebody who has a whole bunch of valuable things and he wants to gain access to them. God looks at you and only always sees a beloved child that fills his heart with joy. That's our Father. Revealed to us in the face of Christ our Lord. Continually speaking to us right now in this moment through the Holy Spirit who dwells within each one of us by our baptism. That's our God. The God who is calling us into His household to belong to Him. And our response is trust. It's faith. It's faithfulness. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love. Come let us adore Him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment And join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you.